0: Howdy, 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 everybody. Tony Richards here. Thanks again for joining us for another week of our podcast, Better Than Before, here on the C-Suite Radio Network. So glad you could join us this week. A little bit different topic. Today, I'm going to focus on the streaming television business. More and more people, of course, are inviting and subscribing to having streaming come into their homes for their video television entertainment. And... I just read an amazing article from the Seeking Alpha website that I want to share with you on today's show that really covers the direction streaming is going and how it's gaining some share and just some different perspective. And I'm going to add in my own thoughts. And so we're going to focus in on the streaming television business today. And also, before we close out this week, I'm going to share five great quotes with you to energize your week. Today's Better Than Before show is brought to you by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Stand by our thoughts on streaming video coming up right here on Better Than Before on the C-Suite Radio Network.
2: There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog.
1: Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
0: Welcome back to better than before this is Tony Richards and today we're going to talk a little bit about streaming video and how it has totally revolutionized home entertainment. It's affected the movie going ticket buyer. It's affected everyone. And I guess this began back when we started being able to get our own movie and television entertainment in our homes back when television first came out in like the late 1940s early 1950s first we had projection screens in our homes in the 70s maybe even in the very late 60s where people had reels of movies they could put on projectors and watch them in their homes and very few people had that or did that i mean A lot of families had the Super 8 camera and they did their vacation movies and a lot of people did slides and they would show slides of their vacation, you know, one slide right after another. And then they had the 16 millimeter Super 8 movie camera. So they had the 16 millimeter films that they would show in their house of little clips of being on vacation or Christmas or holidays or whatever. Then we got the laser disc Next, and movies came out on laser disc, which looked a lot like a 33 RPM album on vinyl. And people did the laser disc things for a while. And then beta came out first, beta, then VHS. And then VHS won the war over the video cassettes and VCRs that people got into their homes in the mid to late 70s and then in the mid 90s to late 90s then we got the dvds and the dvd players and netflix revolutionized that where blockbuster had the vhs rental stores and then they had dvds that they rented and netflix then would send you the dvds and they suspended the late fee where Blockbuster would charge you for being late. They would also charge you if you didn't rewind the movie back to the beginning of the video cassette. A lot of people bought those little video rewinders, and no one will hardly ever remember those, but they were just so you could put your video cassette in there and rewind it. And that's all the machine literally did. And it was supposed to both be better on the video cassette. And extend its life, but also extend the life of your VCR, not having that hard stop when it would rewind back to the beginning. And then put pressure on that tape winding on the inside and that adhesive that held the tape to the little spindle inside the video plastic case. I'm talking about stuff that a lot of you don't know anything about. Some of you will remember those things. Other people are like, what in the world is he talking about? It's almost like when you try to explain to a really young kid about 45s and 33s before there were CDs and now CDs are almost non-existent and MP3s are all anybody knows because we've had the digital revolution. And so one of the things that Netflix did was they switched over to streaming and eventually, you know, that is what put Blockbuster out of business was Netflix going into the streaming business and the DVD. And video cassette rental thing being obsolete, although uh, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about Redbox is still going. I was sitting in the Walgreens parking lot the other day, and I was just fascinated that while I was sitting there, and I sat there longer than I would because I got interested in watching people go to Redbox. And there were probably three or four families that went to Redbox and got DVDs to watch at home while I was sitting there, which are people that obviously haven't converted over to streaming in their homes because almost everything is available now through rental or purchase by streaming. But people still are doing DVDs. They're still going to Redbox. So there are those early adapters and those very, very late converters. And so I read an article on a website called Seeking Alpha, where I do a lot of research on business companies and stocks. And there's an article written by Jason Icock, who is one of the news editors at Seeking Alpha. I want to make sure and give him credit for this because I'm literally going to read a lot of this article. And it has a nice pie chart here that shows the percentage of of the market that the various streaming services have. And just quickly running that down for you, broadcast television now has 22.4% of the total viewing market. Cable has 35.1%, streaming now has 33.7%, and other, as far as television viewing, has 8.8% of the market. So it's almost divided into thirds between cable, broadcast, and streaming now with a little slice into other, whatever that is. And then of the 33.7% of the streaming services, Netflix has 7.7%. YouTube has 6.9%. Hulu has 3.3%. Amazon Prime has 3%. Disney Plus has 2% and HBO Max has 1%. And then other streaming services, various ones like Paramount Plus and Apple TV and some others have 9.9% just in a big lump of other. But Netflix is in the lead with 7.7% of the 33.7% that is the streaming market. So let me read some of what Jason has to say here. Streaming video surged to still another record share of television usage in the past month, maintaining a trend where it's set to soon become the top use of consumers' TV time. Streaming usage took more than a third of TV usage in June, its latest record share, according to The Gage from Nielsen, the ratings giant's monthly macro look at television delivery platforms. Streaming captured 33.7% of total TV consumption, and other formats hit their smallest shares yet. Cable fell, but still leads at 35.1%, and broadcast dipped to 22.4%. The share of other usage, heavily video gaming, all right, that answers that, video gamers, bounced back to 8.8 share of TV time. Total time spent watching TV in decline for a few months, rebounded by a rising 2% in May, mainly led by 8% increase in streaming volume in that time frame. And streaming time spent jumped 23.5% when compared to the same month a year ago. And I'm sure COVID, you know, people are watching less TV than they did during the COVID pandemic isolation months in 2020. All right, back to Jason. Broadcast viewing unsurprisingly took a hit from the traditional end of the television season, right? Because we're in summer. Usually the fall is when the new shows have come out. Time spent down 6.7%, but cable is the category showing the largest year-over-year shifts. Nielsen says falling 5 percentage points in share and 12% in viewing versus this time last year in June of 2021. The surge in streaming share lifted all the key streaming players in viewing time, and four of them hit record high shares of viewing for the month. Netflix, YouTube, and YouTube TV, Amazon Prime, and Disney+. So there's four that hit record high shares of viewing for June. I'll run those down again. Netflix, YouTube, and YouTube TV, Amazon Prime, and Disney+. As for streaming's 33.7% piece of the pie, Netflix was in front with nearly a full percentage point jump to 7.7%. YouTube and YouTube TV rose to 6.9% from 6.7%. Hulu fell to 3.3% from May's 3.4%. Prime Video rose to almost 3% from last month's 2.6%. Disney Plus rose to 2% share from the prior month's 1.7%, and HBO Max held steady at 1% share. Weekly streaming ratings, Netflix's Stranger Things, gave up its hold on the top spot only to be supplanted by another popular show on the streamer, and Disney made its latest Marvel splash. Stranger Things fell to number two with a still hefty 2.326 billion minutes streamed topped only by the umbrella academy from netflix which streamed 2.454 billion minutes in nielsen's most recent weekly numbers for june 20th through the 26th they were followed by the streaming release of dr strange and the multiverse of madness on disney which made a splash at the box office just a couple of months ago it streamed 1.43 billion minutes in its disney plus debut Beating a couple of Netflix movies on the overall chart, Sing 2 at number 4, and The Man from Toronto at number 5. Rounding out the top 10 on the overall streaming chart, number 6, Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney, number 7, Criminal Minds on Netflix, number 8, NCIS on Netflix, number 9, The Boys on Amazon, and number 10, Co-Comelion, or co I'm not sure how to say that. Number 10, anyway. And Nielsen streaming ratings now incorporate viewing from six major streamers: Amazon Prime, Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Hulu, and Netflix. Pay TV distributors, Comcast, Charter, Dish Network, Verizon FIOS, Optimum, Sudden Link, Atlantic Broadband, Sparklight. And relevant local broadcast media outlets, Nextar Media, Sinclair Broadcasting, Gray Television, Tegna, EW Scripps, national broadcasters are ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and some ad tech names tied to Connected TV, The Trade Desk, Magnite, Pubmatic, Critio, and Roku. So that's what Jason has to say about these latest numbers. Very good article and very informative. Obviously, Netflix has a huge lead among the streaming services right now. You may have heard they've continued to lose subscribers, obviously from the pandemic where they got this huge jump in people who subscribed. Two things about Netflix that are occurring right now, and I have not been an investor in Netflix. I've really been strongly considering it the last three months And I had figured in if it dipped below $200, I was going to pull the trigger. Well, it got down to one seventy-five, dollars and I still couldn't pull the trigger to invest in it. And the main reason are two things. One, the continual loss of subscribers. When is that going to stop, and when are they going to get down to their core? Like they lost another 1 million subscribers. This last quarter, which I understand that people finally get around to doing it. You know, maybe they're considering it for a while. They don't watch as much in the summer. They don't watch as much since the pandemic has subsided and people have started going out more, going back to the movies, traveling more and doing all kinds of different summer activities. But then number two is that Netflix is going to introduce this subscriber model. They have their regular subscriber model I think it's like 16 dollars a month that I pay for that and I do subscribe to it mainly because I just keep watching the Irishman over and over but they have this uh, 16 dollars a month with no ads and they're going to introduce at some point soon this secondary subscriber tier where you can subscribe for eight or nine dollars I'm not sure of the exact price point with ads. So your content will be interrupted with ads. That is the case on Hulu. For those of you who subscribe to Hulu, you can watch television shows and movies on Hulu, but they do have ads. And you can see their piece of the pie went down. And so not only are they Hulu fighting the seasonal aspect that we just talked about with it being summertime, but also the fact that people's advertising tolerance And so Netflix thinks that they can grow with the ad-tolerant people who will subscribe. Now, I don't know whether that will work or not. And every time I have said it won't work in my history, and many of you know or may be aware of, may not be aware, that I have a long history in broadcasting and media. And every time I say people won't pay for it, they do. And I am wrong on that. And I always have it in my head somehow that people will not tolerate the ads, but they do and they do pay and they do tolerate the ads. So that uncertainty that I have about whether or not that will help Netflix by having a secondary tier of subscribers that have ads is something that is ingrained in me as a longtime media broadcaster that people won't tolerate ads. It's been proven they will. It's also been proven they will pay for content. So I know some of that is unfounded. That's just sort of a habit with me. So it's kind of held me back a little bit on investing any money into Netflix because of that. The other thing is that Netflix continually continues to threaten that they're going to, crackdown on password sharing. So you and I both know that a lot of people share accounts and they share passwords and maybe they share it with their children. Their children have grown up and moved out of the house and they have an apartment at college or they have an apartment on their own, but they still have their parents' Netflix account and password and they're using it and the parents are using it. And they might have five different kids living in different locations that are using it. So there's a certain amount of password sharing that's going on. So the actual number of people who have Netflix and the people who have verifiable accounts could be different. And what's going to happen when they crack down on that? Will people get mad and say, well, forget Netflix. They're not going to let me share it with my kids or my friends. Then I don't want anything to do with it. I'm just going to walk away. And will that kill the subscriber base, or will people say, oh, well, I got away with it for a long time, and I got Netflix free based on somebody else paying for it for a while, and now I'm just going to buy it myself and pay for it. And then will the subscriber number all of a sudden like jump up? Because more people will actually subscribe to it instead of sharing the password. These are things that are a little uncertain in my mind as far as how that's going to affect them. One thing Netflix has done that is really incredibly smart on their part is they invested about five years ago, they started reinvesting their profits and their capital into making their own programming. And one of the reasons that's been smart is that a lot of the studios that are owned by the networks or other media companies are keeping their own content for themselves. Netflix always got their content from all these different locations. They would get Seinfeld and they would get Friends and they would get Breaking Bad and they would get Mad Men and they would get those from A&E or they would get those from NBC or Universal or whoever. Well, now those people have their own streaming services they've launched, so they're keeping their content for their own streaming services. So Netflix started making their own original content, so they would own that, and you only have to pay to make it one time, and then you can charge for it until Judgment Day, so it can continue to produce revenue for you. And we we should have kind of learned that lesson, and I noticed that a long time ago, because let's take a group like the Eagles that are pretty popular among all demographics over the last 60 years, 50 years or 60 years, how many people bought Eagle's Greatest Hits on vinyl LP and then they bought it on 8-track tape, then they bought it on cassette, then they bought it on CD, then they bought it on MP3. They just continued to buy that content over and over and over, even though the delivery system changed. So if you're the publishing company, you continue to reap the benefits of that over time Continually, even though the way people used it changed. So Netflix decided, hey, we need to start publishing our own content and we're going to own that forever. And we can keep charging for it on our own streaming service because we're going to get cut off from using this content from other outlets because they're going to have their own. How smart was Bob Iger when he was CEO of Disney, when he bought the Star Wars franchise and the Marvel franchise? Plus the incredible amount of content that Disney has produced since 1935. I mean, they have all that that they can put on Disney Plus now. They have their own distribution. They don't have to rely on the chain of theaters or the television networks or any of those distribution outlets anymore. They have their own. People can buy direct from them by subscribing to Disney Plus. Same thing with Ted Turner how smart was he when he bought all these massive film libraries of all these classic films that he could start his own Turner classic movies channel. And now Warner has their own streaming channel. So they have all this, you know, library of content they can use. And Amazon has followed suit Amazon prime by being able to produce their own content. Apple plus, I just watched for all mankind. I had not seen that before. That series came out a couple years ago and they just came out with a new season this year. So I just started watching that. That's an excellently written and produced series. So Apple's investing in their own content that they can put on their own platform. Amazon is of course, Paramount is, but Netflix was out in front. They were the first. Now, one thing that I think Amazon has an advantage and Apple and some of these others Netflix is only a streaming platform. So all their revenue is reinvested into streaming. Amazon has e-commerce. It has Amazon Web Services. It has products for sale. It has Alexa and all of these different things that are providing revenue that they can funnel to streaming. So they can reinvest money and profits that are earned from other parts of the platform to fund their streaming war. So can Apple. And so can some of these other Disney has the theme parks and obviously merchandising and clothing and all of these other things. I mean, how many mouse ear things do you think get sold in a year so they can redirect some of that capital into building their streaming while Netflix has to try to stay on top of this war using only the capital that they can get through their own generation. And that is one of the things that concerns me is if Netflix is 7.7% of the 33% and Amazon is 3% of the 33% and gaining Disney's 2% and gaining Netflix may be declining. How fast is that gap closing? You may not find this as interesting and fascinating as I do, but I just think it's an amazing evolution. Entertainment has always been a section of the economy that I've made a living in and I watched and I've enjoyed participating in. And I just find it absolutely fascinating. So I hope you like this segment. I hope it's given you some food for thought about what's going on out there. I think business topology is something that is not used as much by entrepreneurs and business people in the C-suite as it could be. Watching what other companies are doing in their competitive struggles and in the way that they're approaching the world and the customer, and then being able to turn around and try to see your own business that way and getting some ideas from that, I think, is one of the most beneficial exercises that you can ever do. So a little business topology here for you today on Better Than Before for the streaming business. Stand by. I'm going to have five great quotes for you coming up next here on better than before. There's nothing quite like the love
2: of a good dog.
1: receive weekly coaching tips from tony richards delivered straight to your inbox whether you're a ceo or an entrepreneur tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry tony's monday morning coaching memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more Text the word LEADERSHIP to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday morning coaching memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
0: Welcome back to Better Than Before. It's Tony Richards. Real quick, let's hit five great quotes to energize your week before we get on out of here today. Number one, a good coach can change a game. And a great coach can change a life. John Wooden. Number two, do you want to know who your best teammates are? Watch how they react when someone else does something good. Phil Beckner. Number three, I am a member of a team and I rely on the team. I defer to it. I sacrifice for it because the team, not the individual, is the ultimate champion. Mia Hamm. All great changes are preceded by chaos. Deepak Chopra. How true is that one? And number five, it takes as much energy to wish as it does to plan. Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, that's our program today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and I invite you to come over and join our free Facebook page, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach. Special thanks, as always, to super producer Tessa Hall for putting this program together. And until I see you again next week, I'm Tony Richards reminding you of this very important fact. Everything gets better when you get better.